How many of you wished it was snowing when you came here today? This evil service. <laughs> We're going to pray for you. How many of you have loved that it has been sunny out, man? Keep that snow away. Praise the Lord. You were in the right place. No, uh, regardless of what the weather is like outside, inside, we're going to be real and honest about what God's up to. And I believe today we're going to share the most important message we possibly could this Christmas. We serve a God who can do the inexplicable, the wonderful, the impossible in our lives. And it's not a magic trick. It's not an illusion. And I want to share what I believe is the most wonder-filled thing that we should remember at Christmas time. Remember the definition of wonder, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And what I'd love to share in a very short time we have together is that God is with us, God was with us, and God will be with us. I believe it's the greatest gift of wonder that you can receive this Christmas. It's what the birth of Jesus is all about. So that you can remember this, I want you to repeat after me. We don't usually do stuff like this, but just say it out loud. God is, God was, and God will be with us. One more time. God is, God was, God will be with us. Man, that felt good. It's like we were Presbyterian in here for a second. Powerful moment. Hey, if you have a Bible, power it on or turn on the one in your book rack to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And we're just going to read these seven or eight verses together that talk about the birth of Jesus. We're going to reflect on what that means and why it's significant to us today. And if you're new to the Gospel of Matthew, it's written by one of Jesus' disciples. It is a Jewish context in which he's writing to a Jewish community. He doesn't write in there anything about the manger scene at all. He gets straight to the point with the birth of Jesus here. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Thank you, the three people. Yes, here we go. It says this, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. If you're new to the Bible, Messiah just means anointed one. The Jewish people had been waiting for millennia for the Messiah to be born. And it's at this particular moment in time that God breaks through as Jesus, God incarnate. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm assuming if you came in here today, you have at least some familiarity with the story of Christmas. You know about the birth of Jesus? You may be here an atheist or agnostic, and we want you to hear. We started this church for you. I said it earlier, no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that we want to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at, if you're here today and you even consider yourself a Christian, but you're kind of having a tough go this Christmas season, I want to share the God that allowed himself, his son, to be born into the world to become Emmanuel, God with us. He did it for a reason. And it's the most significant thing in my life. I've shared this now a couple of times. And this, I want to tell you, is to me the most important Christmas message I have ever given. It is most significant to me personally. Uh, we have any college students here today? Man, a lot of you. Welcome back from college. I hope you did well in your finals. I, I actually was a 19-year-old student at the, the great DePaul University. Well, three people again, that's great. 
home of the Tigers, and I actually uh, found Christ as a freshman in college. And it radically changed my life. I went, I went from like throwing the parties at the fraternity house to starting a Bible study there. It was a radical life change, and it largely came from the understanding that I'm going to share with you today, that God's presence is, literally resides with us. Look what it says as he continues on here in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, it literally means the one who saves. And it clarifies that right after that. It says, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The beautiful thing about Jesus, if you're unaware of this, you probably know this, but the whole concept is that God never gives up on his creation. And when Jesus was born into the world, it was to save you so that you and I, no matter what we have done, sin is just an archery term, meaning you've missed the mark, that anybody can draw near to a perfect God. Anybody. And what I'd love to give you is the context of the Bible from the beginning to the end is that very thing, is God's pursuit of you. He desires to be with you. He didn't desire to create a, a religion or a place that you have to attend on a weekend so that you feel good about yourself and give you a whole bunch of rules that you'll fail to follow. He, he desired to know you and be with you and have a relationship with you. Look what it says next, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The, uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as, as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until he gave, she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The prophet it's talking about is Isaiah. 740 years before the birth of Jesus, he prophesied that this would occur. And that moment in time, this 12 to 13-year-old girl, Mary, is told that she's going to give birth even though she is a virgin, even though she has not married her husband Joseph yet. And God, in the first wonder-filled Christmas, does the inexplicable. And he will come to redeem humankind because he desires to be with us. He does from beginning to end of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what Emmanuel means. It literally means God with us. I remember the first time that I really was wrestling with this issue. I had recently become a Christian, and I was in London, England, at a place called Speaker's Corner. And these two non-Christian men were sharing with a large audience of why they couldn't believe in Jesus. Because they said, how could a perfect God that created the universe in six days that's all-powerful, all-knowing, become a little baby boy who needed his diaper changed and cared for. And I walked away, and it stuck with me and resonated with me ever since. Because the reason I follow Jesus and believe Christianity not only to be true, but have experienced God at work with me in my life is because of that very issue. That God, in all of his power, and all of his authority, omnipotent, omniscient, that he chose to become the most innocent thing in this world. A little baby boy, in his humility, the most approachable thing there is. Because he was never gonna give up on humankind no matter how long we rebelled against him and he won't give up on you and on me today. He desires to be with us right where we are. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. Here's the problem though. I've been doing this a while, 
And what I know is babies may be super approachable. And you know this, right? Because even if someone's kid is ugly, you lie and you tell them it's the most beautiful thing, right? Because you know you can't say that about somebody's kid. I want to tell you today that most people, even though God made himself so approachable, desire to be with us, even those who consider themselves Christians, you may know that up here, but most of us don't really believe that. Like, we don't really believe that God is with us, literally with us in the room right now. Most humans don't believe that. And yet it's the very thing that we are to celebrate at Christmas time. That's at the heart of what I would love to share with you. It's beautiful. It's inexplicable. It's wonderful. And I can't wait to share more. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just pause in the busyness of our Christmas weekend. And I, man, Christmas Eve, 415, all these people fought the parking, fought the lobby just to get a seat in this room. And we thank that we thankful that everybody found a seat. But God, uh, we've done this because we want to acknowledge your presence with us right now. We want to worship you this Christmas. Wherever we're at spiritually, just speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You see, if we're talking about the wonder of Christmas and that God's presence is with us, we have to approach it like a child. And, and the great thing about a you know, child-filled wonder is that you'll believe things. My, my uh, kids, I got three of them now. The oldest one is almost 10 years old. And when he was about four, we took him to Disneyland for the very first time. Not Disney World, but Disneyland. Anybody ever been out to Disneyland? Yeah. It's the happiest place on earth, right? And I thought, man, my son's four. It's time for him to grow up. Let's uh, have him ride his first roller coaster. And he was a little nervous about it because he's a little fearful. So I just thought, man, let's just get rid of that fear and knock this out with one punch. And so the first roller coaster I thought we should go on was Space Mountain. Anybody ridden Space Mountain? Now, before you think I'm a bad dad, the truth is I was a terrible dad. Because I took him at four years old, I'm not making this up, on Space Mountain. And if you've never been on it, it's kind of dark and it's in an enclosed building and it does all these loops and all super fast and not appropriate for a four-year-old. And, and then I took him during the month of October. <laughs> Thank you. So you know, I, I didn't know this. They should tell you this before you get on the ride. On October, man, it's decorated for Halloween. So I got my four-year-old on the roller coaster at Space Mountain. It's pitch dark. We get down the first turn. He's already scared to death. And a ghost jumps out and blah. (laughs) And I don't think he physically wet himself, but he hid his face for the remainder of the ride. Now, he's a tough kid, and he got off the ride, and he, you know, went over to his mom. He was pale in the face, and his mom was so excited. Lisa was so excited. She's like, Jake, how was it, honey? Yeah. He just looked at her and goes, it was great. (laughs) Wouldn't go on another roller coaster again for like two or three years. So terrified of it. Now he will today, and it's been amazing to see, you know, a young kid kind of chase his or conquer his fears. But the truth was in that moment, man, some of us, when it comes to having faith like a child and our good heavenly father being with us in our lives, 
We've tried that. We began the process of it, and the roller coaster of life took us down to a particular place that we did not dictate the circumstances, and our life didn't turn out the exact way we would have liked it to, and we begin to lose faith and trust in our good heavenly Father. Maybe you've been there. So when we say God's with us, we're not so sure, some of you, let's be honest, you're not so sure you really want him with you. Because you've done some things in your life you don't want him around for. You've thought some things that you didn't want him to hear. And then you've tried to trust him in certain areas and haven't had him show up. And I want to share with you that the reality is not that you haven't trusted God because he isn't with you and present in your life and cared and concerned for you, even in the hard times as well as in the good times, but because we as Christians and churches have done a terrible job of helping you understand the character and the awesome power of the God that you serve. And we associate him with what we have seen in other human beings. And what I want to tell you, that dad, our heavenly father, is not some wimpy, apathetic, unintelligent dad like I was that day. He's an all-powerful God. So if you're taking notes, and I'm going to move quickly, I want to make just three points. I, I had you recite them so you wouldn't forget them. Number one, God is with you. He is with you. Right now, I believe his presence is with us in this room together. It doesn't just say that in Matthew 1, uh, verse 23. It also says in Luke 1, verse 28, the angel went to her, to Mary, on that first, uh, when she found out that she was pregnant, and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Imagine you're like a 12 or 13-year-old kid that has just learned the news she learned. And it says, the Lord is with you. She had to rely on that and believe that. And allow him in to face all the things that she faced, to give birth in a stable, to run in fear to Egypt because the King Herod was trying to end her child's life. She had to really believe that the Lord was with her and is with her in her life. See, some of you guys, this Christmas, man, you felt alone. What I want to share with you is that God is with you. He wants to be your companion when you feel lonely. For those who are sick, he wants to be present in the healing process with you. For those who are scared, he wants to comfort you and be with you in your fear. For those of you who have broken relationship with him and you have sin in your life, he wants to be your savior, the one who saves to walk alongside you in all the brokenness and the shame in your life. It's the beautiful, most wonderful gift that we have at Christmas time. In fact, when we read those verses in Matthew 1, 21 to 23, I want to read verse 23 again. It said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That he was desiring from the very moment in time that he would be with us in this space, in this place, together. The first time I really believed that God was with me in my life, I remember it. I had already become a Christian, and I was at a Christian sports camp outside of, or in southern Missouri, and I was outdoors in the evening time. The high school students were asleep, and I was just outside, no one around, stars in the sky, beautiful moment, and I realized with no one else anywhere near me, I could tell that the presence of God was with me. If the Bible is true, that God was with me right then, and I didn't go, yeah, that's awesome. I go, oh, man, that's freaking me out, right? Like, that's why a lot of us don't think about it, because it kind of freaks us out. 
And I began to study the Bible more, and I realized the story of the Bible is not that create, God created you and then gave you a bunch of rules to be a puppet master and dictate your life and get angry at you when you fail. The, the, the Bible actually says that in the beginning, God created everything, and the pinnacle of his creation was humankind. And the very first humans, Adam and Eve, you remember in Genesis, God walked with them in the garden. He desired to be with them in relationship. And like every other human being, they broke relationship with God. They rebelled against him, and God didn't give up on him. He pursued him through the people of Israel. He says, Abraham, hey, Abe, man, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You're the sense as many as the sand of the seashore. And even they began to fail him. And when they didn't listen, he didn't give up. He sent the prophets that they would wake up and say, hey, I'm here. I desire a relationship with you. And it still didn't work. And he never gave up. He became Emmanuel, God with us. He gave his only son, his presence, fully God and fully human into the world so that any of us in this room, no matter what shame and guilt and all that stuff we got in our life, he could draw near to us. Am I getting a little too excited today? Because I'll tell you, man, I I believe this stuff. And when he says that he is with us, he desires to be with you, not just on the good days, but on the bad days. God is with us. It's the story of the Bible from the beginning to the end. Number two, if you're taking notes, he's not just with us today. He was with us in our past. This used to be the hardest thing for me to see. And maybe it is for you. Because a lot of times you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel him. He must not be there, right? That God isn't just with us today. He is omnipotent and omnipresent. He is with us in our past. He's outside of time. He is the alpha and the omega, the Bible teaches, the beginning and the end. You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Not Joseph that like would marry Mary one day. Joseph in the Old Testament. He was kind of cocky. You know what I'm talking about? He had that fancy coat, right? You saw the musical. His brothers took his, his coat, his prized possession, and they threw him into a pit. And then they left him there to die until one of the brothers felt guilty. And he thought, let's not throw him into the pit. Let's just sell him into slavery instead. That'll be better. And he's taken. He's enslaved in Egypt. And when you get to the story of when he's in prison, in Egypt. Read these verses with me in in Genesis 39, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And how many of you would be taken, have your prized possession taken from you, thrown in a pit to die, sold into slavery, find yourself in a prison cell and say, hey, yeah, the Lord's been with me. He was with me. He is with me. No, (laughs) none of us would do that. None of us. You read the Bible, you see people do this kind of stuff, and it's just crazy. Paul, in the New Testament, will be in a prison cell in Rome, writing to the church in Philippi, likely ankle deep in raw sewage, going, I write with pure joy because of our partnership. And they go, what do you got pure joy for? It's because they know that no matter our circumstances, God is with and present in your life, and he was with you even in that moment. Now, Joseph didn't know that God was doing all of this stuff to provide all the promises he had given to his great-granddaddy all those years ago. He didn't know that God would give him favor there in the prison cell, and one day he would uh, give favor with the warden there, and then there will be a dream that he will have, and he will share it with them, and they will store up crops for seven years, and then there will be a seven-year famine, and their only nation around that has food, and Pharaoh will make Joseph this prisoner, this slave. He will raise him to be his right hand, and Joseph will be able to provide for uh, thousands of people, and his own family will 
come to Egypt and be provided for and have food during seven years of famine, where now his family will grow over the next several hundred years to be hundreds of thousands of Israelites living there in Egypt. Joseph didn't know any of that. But God was going before him. His ways are not our ways, and he understood what he was doing. He was fulfilling his promises to his great-grandfather, Abraham, in that moment. See, you may have come in here, and I I have had hardship in my life, and I want to tell you that God is with you, and he was with you even in those moments. I can look back at my life now, and I remember when I had just become a dad for the very first time, and my wife, who wanted kids so badly, got a spinal headache the first week of Jake's life. He's now almost 10 years old. If you don't know what that is, it means that my wife for a week couldn't sit up in bed, couldn't feed him. And dude, I didn't, dad's out there. I knew nothing about kids. What's, I never even babysat. Nobody trusts me with their kid. And I had to take care of Jake for uh, the first week by myself. And then he started getting sick and I realized he needed to go to the doctor. We get to the doctor's office. He throws up all over the doctor's office. He's like a couple days old. Turns out Jake's got jaundice. I take Jake home with, I like, give him some sunlight because he's yellow. So I give him some sunlight. And then all of a sudden, you know what happened next? The sun was gone. We're living in Southern California. It rains like three days a year. And all of a sudden, it starts pouring rain. My wife has a spinal headache, can't sit up in bed. My son has jaundice. He keeps throwing up everywhere. And now it begins to rain. We're living in a 600-square-foot converted garage in Southern California. And the rain, for some odd reason, for the first time, started pouring in the front door. And there is an inch of water in what we would call our family room in this little 600-square-foot place that's the size of some of your closets. And I look back at that time in my life, and maybe you've had moments like that where I can say now today, without a shadow of a doubt, God was with me in that moment. And that moment has always stuck in my head to encourage me in the tough times I've been. God got me through that. He can get me through more. In fact, he did. When we moved here from Southern California because we believed God was calling us to start a church, we got here, and we found our unborn son had a genetic disorder And six months before we were to launch Mercy Road Church, you guys all know this, my son died after being two weeks old. And my wife and I wanted to throw in the towel, say, hey, this whole church planting thing was a great idea. And the church was meeting in our house at that time. And you know what happened next? We said, okay, we're going to have to trust in God's character. And we just kept moving forward. And God ended up using my son's story to reach a lot of people for Christ and then over the course of time, more people reached their friends for, for Christ, and we saw atheists and agnostic people have their lives radically changed and be baptized, and, and then we saw people whose marriages were done be healed and come back together, and we saw families reunited, and the stories began to spread with other people, and within four years, the church had grown so much that we needed a, a facility, and we actually closed on the purchase of this property on my son Jackson, who passed away. We closed on the purchase of this property unknowingly on his fourth birthday, just so God could go, don't ever doubt me again. God is with you, and God was with you. He wasn't just with us when it came to planting a church or losing a son or dealing with the things that I went through as a young dad in Southern California. He was with our church in every aspect. In fact, when many of us went through those experiences, it was many people in our church that God began to use to reach other people for Christ. And when we thought of giving up, they stepped in and God used them because the church and, and God at work has nothing to do with a human being on a stage. 
or lights or all the stuff that we do because we want people to engage and passionately worship. But you know what? It's his presence that matters. He's with us. And the staff member who we shared a few weeks ago who had an affair years ago who confessed it and repented and their marriage was restored and their family reunited and now they've had the family they've always dreamed of that God was with them and God is with them today. And our friend Rich Abbott, who I've shared his story before, who actually had his best friend cheat with his girlfriend and he was completely devastated and he went to pub theology and he discovered a relationship with Jesus and that so radically changed his life when he knew God was with him. He wanted to share that with other people and he started wrestling theology a rich dude. Anybody here been to wrestling theology before? Yeah, yeah. He puts up a wrestling ring. It's not for the faint of heart. I will warn you ahead of time. But we have seen a number of people give their life to Christ through that ministry, and hundreds of people will come together once a month for this event. And we turn this little room here into a wrestling ring. It's amazing because God was with Rich, and people see God at work in Rich's life and those around him. God was with us when we gave away $34,000 just a weekend ago. One outpost raised $34,000 to help people in need, to help them get necessities at Christmas time and Christmas gifts for their kids. It was an amazing event. We saw over 50 people give their life to Christ just at that service. God didn't just work 2,000 years ago. We're not here just to celebrate that Jesus was born in that moment. We're to celebrate that he was born, and because of that, he is with us today. You see, the third and final point that I want to make in our time together is that God, you know, is with us and was with us, but he will also be with us. For some of us, the hardest part is trusting him with our future, with our career path, our college choice, our school, our dating life, our marriage, the divorce, with our kids, with our grandkids to trust that he is with us and present in every aspect of our lives. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not like we're sitting at the grocery store checkout line going, yeah, God's with me, right? But we should because God is with us, he was with us, and he will be with us no matter what we face, even when things aren't the good days, even on the bad days. He will be with you. The greatest uh, storyline I love in the Christmas story is actually Mary. Any teenage uh, people, individuals in here today, this young 12 to 13-year-old girl will go on to be an amazing mom, and she will see, have to run in fear to Egypt, and she will see that God was with her in all the story that he had promised her, and that God is with her today, but then she'll have to trust him with the future as well, because her son will become a man. And he will, at 30 years of age, begin three years of active ministry. And after those three years, he'll be rewarded for all of his efforts by being crucified, whipped with the cat and nine tails 39 times to the point of death, made to carry a tree trunk a mile up a hill to a, a place called Golgotha, which means the skull, because you go there to die. And just to ta- taunt him, they took a crown of thorns, pressed it into his scalp and say, oh, yeah, king of the Jews, let's see that now. And all along, that young mom who has grown up seeing her son be everything God promised, she has to witness that she's there at the cross when he is crucified, and she has to believe that God wasn't just with me in the past and everything he said would be true, and he isn't just with me in this broken moment. He will be with me in the future and fulfill everything he had said he would in my life. God will be with us in anything that we faced, even the hardest thing that you and I will face this time of year. 
And as we close out our time together, I want to share this short video clip. Just a week ago, we found out we had the opportunity to do this. And many of you know that I am a big Notre Dame football fan. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank Again, three people. That's great. Yes. Yeah, December 29th, right? I know Davos Sweeney in Clemson, he's a praying man, but he's going to be a losing man on December 29th as the Irish prevail. But I'll tell you, uh, and I love IU football, football, no, I don't love Notre Dame football, but I love IU basketball. That shot, baby, wasn't that awesome from half court? Amazing. But uh, this Christmas, I'm not making this up, I am a Purdue football, basketball, university fan. And I, I don't know what it is why I'm Notre Dame IU fan. We have more Purdue fans than any church in America. And I got the opportunity to interview someone, and I actually have his bracelet on. It says hashtag boiler up, because I'm going to boiler up and hammer down this Christmas. Did I get that right? Yeah, see, okay. And this young man has caught the hearts and attention of people all over the country and the world. He lives actually here in Carmel, and we got to sit down and talk with him. And as he shared his faith, he was diagnosed with excruciatingly painful bone cancer at a young age. Just three months ago, he was given weeks to live, and he's used that platform to tell millions of people about his faith in Jesus. And we thought we needed to capture that. God is with you this Christmas, no matter what you're facing, on the good days and on the bad days. And on this particular day, although he has good days still, he was having a really bad day. Let's watch this together. such an inspiration to so many people. I mean, I know you know that, but just the strength you have is incredible. You have strength that most people don't have. And I wanted to find out where does that strength come from? Where do you find the motivation and ability to, to power through what you've been through? Yeah, I know all my strength comes from my faith in Jesus Christ. That's incredible. I, you know, I don't know that I could have that kind of strength and faith like you do. And I think it's a real inspiration to people during Christmas time that need hope like that. Christmas time is about when we celebrate that God's with us. He was born into the world, that he cared enough about us. He didn't give up on us, even though we rebelled against him. So how could you say after everything you've been through, battling cancer this long, struggling through what you've had to struggle through, how could you still say that God is with you even in these hard times? Yeah, I know that there's still light at the end of the tunnel. Um, he still blessed me through everything I, that I've been through. Hard and evil. That's incredible. To look at your life and say, God has blessed you with all the things that you've been through, the good and the bad. And I mean, that's just encouraging to me. And the reality is that your daily life these last couple of months being all over television is probably the day-to-day -day life has been really difficult 
and hard, I'm sure. How was God in those moments, in those hard moments, what's it look like for God to be present with you? Yeah, it's like putting a lot of errors in the way. It's like gambling. You never know. I know. I woke up this morning, how, how it's going to feel. And you praise God in both, man. And so what, you know, Christmas time, we're filming this just a little bit before Christmas. How could you encourage anyone out there that might see this about how they might cope this Christmas and the things that they're facing in their life? Um, just find out where your faith lies and realize in that, um, yeah, I don't know where it lies. Um, wherever it may be. I was going to first Thessalonians 5, 6, and 18. You know, rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances for this the will of God and Christ Jesus to you. At Christmas time, for you to be able to face all this and say that you put your faith in Jesus, it's an inspiration. And I, I hope that people who watch this get to see the impact that God has used you to make in this world. And he could do that for so many more people. And so just thank you, man, on behalf of you know, millions of Americans, thank you that you're willing to speak up and, and, and live your faith out in that way and, and to have that kind of courage and strength. Tyler, if you happen to watch this later on, man, thank you for being willing to share that today. That kid has inspired millions of people, and I'm telling you, being in the presence and hearing that story, hearing his parents even talk about how hard it's been. There's a great article at multiplymagazine.org. I didn't say that at the other services. You've got to read he says, no matter what, his, his mom said, no matter what, Tyler wins. He either gets to be with Jesus or he gets more time here with us. And I want to tell you today, the most important decision, the most important gift to make at Christmas time is whether or not, if God is with us, if God was with us, if God will be with us, and there is no doubt about that, the question to ask yourself is, am I with God? And so many people, they feel like they're not good enough to be in the presence of God. And the truth is, none of us are. That's why Jesus came, so that we could be with him. That's why he was crucified and rose again, overcoming death and sin itself, that anybody, no matter how far you have gotten from him, can't draw near to him. There is no more shame or guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone away, man. The Bible is crystal clear on this. Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? No. 
No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil in my life because God is with me. He was with me. And he will be with me. And nothing can separate you from him. The question isn't whether he has a desire for you. The entire Bible is about his pursuit of humankind. Going, I love you. I desire a relationship with you. I created you for a purpose and a plan. And even though you keep me at a distance, man, and you push me away, you go, I'm not sure I want you with me. I'm going to continue to pursue you. And I'm never going to give up until your life is over because I created you and I love you. And if you forget everything else this Christmas, man, I want to testify, witness to you that I have experienced that in my own life. And two decades ago, God took some broken fraternity guy that had nothing to do with God and radically changed his life. And to this day, I have never done anything great when it comes to the area of ministry. The only good moments is where God has showed up in people's lives. And I have seen it time and time again. And you may have come in here feeling like you could never draw near to a God like that. You're just not one of those Christians. And I want to tell you, God didn't just create the good people in the room. He created all of us. And he loves you. And he desires you. And he's never going to give up on you. And so we're not going to give up on you. And I believe it requires us to answer that question. He wants to be with you. Do you want to be with him? So I want to give us a chance to respond, man. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for Tyler's story. With every breath he's got, he's willing to declare that you are the one that gives him the strength to face every day of his life. And maybe one person. I know some people in this room or attending online right now needed to hear that. And if it has stirred something up in your life, the Bible says, don't be ashamed of that. Like Johnny started this whole time together with, be real. Be honest. Be broken before him. It's only then that God can use your life. And so I just want to give you the opportunity, no magic words, no fancy stuff here today. If you wanted to respond to the reality that God is with us, he is present in the room with us right now, and you want to say, I want to be with him and allow him to come fully into your life and to surrender your life to him, I want to give you that opportunity to do it. In a moment here, I'm just going to ask you to do something, to, to raise your hand with every high, eye closed and every head bowed. I'm not going to make you do anything other than raise your hand and just admit, God, I want to be with you. I'm going to stop keeping you at a distance. I invite you fully in because you are real, you are present, and you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And I've been wasting it on things that won't matter 100 years from now, pursuing things that I won't even care about as I see the life before me that Tyler sees before him right now. So help me to live not just for this moment today, but for all of eternity. And so if that's you in the room and you want to declare, yes, I want to be with you, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you just to raise Raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, he's not done with you. Three, he desires your full heart. And I see you right here, the, the two people on my right. I, the, the person back there as well. I'm not sure those three people, uh, the people in the back over here on my left. Oh, man, the, the, the 10 or 12 of you over here. 
keep, keep them high for just a moment. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Okay, you can go ahead and put those down. God, the truth is only you know what's going on in the souls of the people that just raised their hand right now. And they, like most Americans, won't do today. They're saying, I want to be with you. I invite you in. And so if that was you, just pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I need you. Forgive me for living my life with you at a distance. I've asked for your forgiveness and your grace and I receive your mercy. And on this day, Christmas Eve 2018, I begin my new life with you and surrender my whole heart to your service. God, we love you and we celebrate the changed lives. We give you this Christmas and thank you that you're with us. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen.